0: Hello, welcome back to How To PhD, episode number 27. This is our first episode of 2022, and this week, we are going to be talking about how you can create a great CV for when you'll be applying to jobs, and why it's never too soon to start creating one. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host Julia. Hi. And welcome back. Hope you had a really lovely Christmas, New Year holiday period and you took our advice from our previous episode and you took the time to recharge and you're ready to go into this new year. So we're starting pretty much with an episode that is going onto something that I think is really important to think about and it's one of those things that perhaps you don't really want to think about because it feels really far away but we're talking about how to write your CV and so this episode we're going to be splitting it into three key sections everything you need to do before starting your CV right before you jump into that document what the layout should be uh, and some of the key tips around the content so I reckon let's just let's just jump straight into it uh, and start talking about what you need to do before you even start your CV. So let's talk about everything you need to do before even opening that CV document Julia and this is I think this is really important right?
1: Yeah so I think I always believed um, before I did my masters um, that you just like have one CV so you just write down what you've done so mm. from this uh, in this year I've done a masters and this year I've done a bachelor in this and um, but actually it's really important I think to realize that it's not that you have one CV and then you send it around for different um, jobs, um, but the, that you actually have to put a lot of work into it and adapt it every for every role that you yeah. want to apply to. And that is, it's always shocking I think every time, like how much time it takes. Um, because it's only like a short document right but it's so important I think um, I've seen a lot on social media often that people say oh I send out my CV to 100 jobs and I didn't hear back and I think um really the problem with that is that um you, you really have to tailor it to the CV and hopefully all the tips today will yeah, to help and, you do that.
0: Yeah fully this is something I was guilty of uh, during my doctorate because I think especially when you're trying to focus on all of your PhD stuff, like your studies and writing up and all this, the last thing you want to be doing is editing this document, which doesn't have a an immediate benefit to you, right? Unless you're really in the job application process. And so I think one of the key tips, and so, so the key tip here is you've got to tailor that CV to every single application. Uh, and when we see tailor, we mean every single sentence on there should be perfectly adapted matched. to what that mm-hmm. job description is um, and i think the easiest way to do this before kind of before sort of getting lost in this and it can be a little bit overwhelming um is to create what we call a sort of go-to document right a sort of running log um, and essentially this log should be collecting all of the skills uh, and that everything everything that you've done in the doctorate yeah. so
1: i think that's really important because sometimes you maybe do an internship somewhere and and then uh, even after a couple of months, you're not really sure exactly what you did yeah. or what project it was. So I think just like as you gain more experience in whatever you're doing, whether it's the PhD or yeah, placement somewhere, um, just writing down as you go, um, or maybe put, put like a reminder in your diary every three months or something to update this doc, this go-to document uh, where you just write down anything that comes to your mind, what you've done, when you've done it and um, so that once you come to create your cv for a specific goal you can kind of pick and choose the most interesting bits from that yeah, go to document y- right? you'll
0: pretty much have this list of bullet points and you can just look at the job description and go okay yeah here's where i got this and i've got mm. this um, and so some examples so let's say if you work in the lab right if you're doing science stuff (laughs) like some kind of lab work um then of course you have to be organized that's organization skills it's responsibility you're potentially working with dangerous items uh, chemicals um you might have a team that you're working in right and you then are demonstrating teamwork you're de- uh, demonstrating diligent work right that you mm. are responsible in cleaning up after yourself and ensuring everything's put the way it needs to be um interview studies right you've got recruitment you've got time management public engagement that you're confident speaking mm. to to members of the public um all really important skills ethical considerations to show that you do right. things in an ethical and considered way uh, if you're presenting a lot, which again is another key part of the doctorate, uh, presenting is, is public speaking. It's it's clear communication. If you're at a conference and perhaps there's people from industry there, uh, then that's industrial engagement um, and a and, and a very important skill that Uh, particularly jobs in the industry really look at is is communicating results to an industrial audience right which might have a little bit of a slightly different uh, tone to communicating to an academic audience so these are just some examples um, of how you can take what seem like relatively basic things in the doctorate like Presentations and running a study. And I actually realized there are so many transferable skills. There.
1: Yeah, but I think sometimes you don't really see that, or if you see um, that a, a job requires this, you don't initially maybe see that you have done all those things. So I think this document, go to document, you can start by being very descriptive of just literally doing. I, I don't know, presented at this conference um, and there were that many people in the audience, if if you know that. Um, But I think being quite descriptive and then taking a step further and being a bit more analytic, what did I actually do, right? And then, um, yeah, as you said, I clearly communicated my findings um, to a large um, scientific Audience or something like that but I think just writing getting it something down because sometimes you can also get this writer block where you don't get the right words out and just having this descriptive lift can be really helpful absolutely and before of course, you start the CV yeah.
0: yeah and of course look um I don't always like to encourage to look at another person's work because I think that you know other people's work potentially Mm. is is unique to them and and you can be your own thing but with cvs it can be very useful to look at some successful cvs and get an idea of some of the wording and and how they implement some of this but we are going to talk about this in a little bit more detail but but i think you're
1: right yeah just um asking so maybe sometimes feels a bit awkward to us or actually Mm, um could you show me um the cv that you use to apply for a research fellow position or something like that but it's so helpful right we all struggle with that stuff so i think we should really help each other with that and again a cv is so individual to um so it's not that you have to be scared someone will copy your CV so it's impossible right That's So right. um but it helps you to get a good idea to um gain confidence and yeah i think it's never um never you should always ask uh, yeah <laughs> and absolutely. see what comes out of it
0: So before you begin, so let us you've now got this document, a whole list of bullet points of all your different skills and all the different things that you've done, uh, it's now time to begin to put this into that CV or resume document. Uh, and so let's talk about now, CV layout. So let's talk briefly about CV layout. I should mention here that, and I've just realized this now, that of course, uh, CV is a term that we use a lot in the UK. uh, But I know in other countries it might be called a resume. Hopefully that's been obvious and you you haven't been totally confused as as to what we've been talking about. Uh, But in terms of layout, uh, Julia, what what would you say are our key tips?
1: So I think what I um, learned in a CV workshop that I attended back then was um that you should have only one page if you don't have previous work experience and two pages if you do have work experience so i think if you're doing your phd i would see that as work experience right because basically what you're doing in the end is is doing mm, work yeah. right yeah. yeah or at least you can pitch it in that way um to make it clear as well if you're applying to industry that actually the experience that you had is like pretty much um similar to um what a person who has like work, working experience, in industry has like so. Um, I think what's important is to play around with headings uh, to make it really work for the specific roles that you're applying to. But I think there are some headings that you will probably have in most CVs, right? Yeah, that's right. But and in some cases, is is worth experimenting with that. And we have a few ideas for you. Yeah.
0: So you I think use. usually you start with you know some personal information. Your name. Now, your <laughs> name um, is is a good place to start. Um, this is something where I think it's important to perhaps get some advice from some kind of career advisor or perhaps have a Google for what's typically done in your country, because this can vary quite a lot uh, across the globe. Um, so, for example, in the UK, I mean, it's it's very normal just to add your name, email email. And phone, binary, and that's say. about and, it. You wouldn't yeah. really put anything more. Uh, I Maybe know... the
1: address, but yeah, even that I think. Even
0: that is, is it's a little not... bit. You know, this might not be needed. We kind of shy away from putting a lot of personal information.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think even when we were um, providing like the one to one service with mm. how to PhD, and um, we had like students from other countries, um, and they had like their status whether they're married or single, and a picture, and uh, their date of birth and really that's very yeah it depends really on the country that you live I know in Germany we also I think had like or still some companies want you to have a picture on it um, so that's very strange for people yeah, from the UK it's,
0: it's a mix so d- um, see what's appropriate for your for your country Mm -hmm. um so once you've got the personal information out that's the easy part right Uh, now you can sometimes have a very short couple of lines perhaps three or four lines as a kind of very brief introduction about yourself Mm -hmm. your motivation um and and essentially what a, a kind of a, a written paragraph about you. Yeah. Now again this is something that you know could be adapted based on whether or not the application has a cover letter and we might do an exactly. episode or on that. Or personal
1: statement yeah. Or personal statement where you might not need it then so not to do Which is stuff, essentially
0: but, which yeah. is essentially you know perhaps a one page document which writes about your motivation mm-hmm. for the job and we'll probably have an episode on cover letters and personal statements uh in the future. Um but if you don't have that opportunity to add a cover letter then having a small elevator pitch on your it can be very so something
1: like i'm a user researcher with three year experience in both industry and academia um, and i'm highly interested in this or that yeah that was not the greatest (laughs) but but just to give you an idea of what what it it could look like exactly that
0: uh and then typically following that i think oh you know i think importantly is then to have your education right and Mm -hmm. you don't need to go all the way back to you know primary school um but one thing to consider especially with you know if you're applying in a different country is to think about how your grades translate to what the country you're applying to in and now so there's different ways if it's possible to convert the grades then you can put your original grade in for how it's graded in in your country and then in brackets you can put you know a or the range of whatever someone
1: has just if you put a grade in there i think give someone An idea of what it means. So otherwise, they have to look it up. What that means, or yeah, give them an indicator if it's important.
0: Right. So so yeah. So what kind of what you mean? So then you can sort of put a range there. As in, if your mark is say seven, then Mm. it might not. If you're not able to translate that into the equivalent of the of the country that you're in, then you could then say yeah, max max possible was nine. a minimum which grading
1: well. is that <laughs> i've just
0: made something up now yeah. do
1: you still have your um school degree on your cv
0: um i think i have kept i've on? just sort of minimized it to one line now so it's mm, just kind yeah. of one line and of course the, the biggest focus is on the uh the undergraduate the masters and the phd of, exactly. of course you know that's what someone's going to be most interested in mm-hmm. um important thing here you can add your PhD here to the education. But as Julia said at the start of this section, it's really important that that's not the only place the PhD goes. And this next section, what we're calling perhaps a work experience or relevant uh, work experience, something along those lines, your PhD needs to go in here as well. Because as Julia said, it, it is 100% work experience and just putting it in the education section might will, be a bit hidden. Yeah, So someone justice.
1: looking at from industry might not like really look at that education yeah, bit it, and exactly. just... So yeah, you can put it in both um, or like think about, yeah, how you present it. And I think you had in your CV also sometimes a section called skills, right? So That's what correct. You put yeah. in there? Before
0: we before we move on to oh, just sorry. just this like last uh, point to emphasize on work experiences. You know, this is exactly where that go to document that we talked about at the beginning of the show uh, really needs to highlight all of the skills that you've gained from your PhD, not just your research topic but what are the transferable skills? Really think about that and, and hopefully that go-to document. Um, I don't know why we're calling it the go-to document, <laughs> but that document of skills at the that we talked about at the beginning can be really helpful there. Yeah,
1: and I think it saves so much time. First, it feels like you're, you're um, having to put in more time because you create two documents, yeah. right? But once you have that document going, it will save you so much time because if you apply for very different roles, then your CV might have stuff that is not relevant uh, or might be relevant for next one so you have to like search for different things but i think yeah having everything in one document is really helpful
0: that's right exactly that um and so as you said so before i interrupted yeah the next section on something like skills so these would be things that are really sort of general things that perhaps are not 100 percent directly related to your phd experience but they can be pulled out to really highlight them so for example good communication skills you know you can mention your conference presentations you can mention any sort of extra curricular things that you've done in this section so if you um head up the journal club or if you do some extra communication or science communication work on social media for example or something along those lines anything that doesn't really fit into work experience but you do on on outside of that uh, are you adept at excel or r or some statistical package Mm. or something along those lines that's the place to Mm -hmm. mention it then you'll have publications and conferences Um, and again if you're applying for an industry job i typically just pull out the publications perhaps three or four that just show that you know you've done some good work the most um, recent
1: ones or recent, highest impact factor or you potentially don't the most relevant to yeah. the job to the job um, yeah. so it's a title True. that really
0: mm. links to the job um whereas of course on an academic cv i think it's pretty normal to just put mm. almost as many of your publications yeah. as you can, and, and typically academic CVs are mm-hmm. a lot longer because of that.
1: If you're applying for a teaching role, maybe it would be useful to have a section teaching and supervision, yeah. right? Or um I had one section and one CV called qualifications where I highlighted like teaching qualifications that I'd done, or like extra transferable skills certificate, I also put that under qualifications. Um,
0: That's right. And I think that's the main lesson here is that, you know, we we are mentioning some headings, but by no means are these set in stone and and to play around with the headings. And in the end, it's a document that's advertising you. Right. And so don't be afraid to move things around. And if it's mm -hmm. a teaching post, bring your teaching qualifications and teaching experience right up to the top on page mm-hmm. one don't hide that away mm-hmm. um and so yeah qualifications it could be a section research dissemination yeah so i grouped um, that
1: once to journal papers conferences and the public engagement um and then you can have a section with Um, awards if you have any. Of course if you don't that that's where it starts. If you don't have awards, obviously don't put that as a heading section, right? So like make it um to yeah, really um show your skills in the best possible way. And I think you mentioned softwares earlier. I had that under IT skills. Um so again it's it really um there are many different ways to do that.
0: That's correct. Yeah. And I think Group it how you think um, and and just really think about how it's coming across. Um, And I think the final section is typically references. Now, I think something I've always done is I've always said references available on request. In this it depends section. but
1: sometimes i really think some uh, for some jobs i really want you to put names down there so yeah you, um again if you're doing that you should probably check first with for example you're na- naming your supervisors then you should um ask them whether that's okay for them to put them down there first um yeah if, if not if you say um saying it's available on request so once you're successful in um, the first stage maybe invited to an interview or you get the job and then the final stage is that they just want references so you can do that then yeah
0: that's correct um and of course we should mention here just a small plug in is that of course if you want us to have a look at your cv or do a little session we're happy to do that on our how to phd one to one service and uh, which we're running a free Half an hour session that you can book at the website howtoph.d.show. So just a quick plug-in for our (laughs) service. We have had a few students who have gone through that, um, and hopefully we'll be very very happy to look through. Yeah, I think sometimes
1: as a third person it's easier. So when we um, do CVs, then we show each other and um, other people, and just helps like having someone else looking done as well. Because sometimes you can just become like really tired of if you're writing a lot of applications and you feel you've done it so many times. Um, So yeah definitely um, worth even if you're not coming to us then share it with your your friends or exactly. whoever you trust and and yeah.
0: there's plenty i'm sure there's plenty of support mm. at your university, university as well, well. so Much i more.
1: sometimes use um, the service as well that we have at work university and it was really helpful even if it's just for example to proofread it because um, you really it's such an important document so you m- want to make sure that there are no mistakes in that
0: exactly that so now that you've got your beautifully laid out CV it's now time to with talk the about yeah. with the headlines uh, it's now t- time to talk about what kind of content needs to be in there so let's talk about the probably the golden part of the CV which is the content now Julia um, it's important that again I think and a sort of running theme throughout this whole episode is this idea that of, of really tailoring it to to what you're job that you're applying to is Um, and i think part of that is realizing that not everything in your experience needs to go into that cv
1: yes so i think often people think like i only have one or two pages how can i possibly um put down everything that i've done and the answer is, you don't have to put down everything Mm. that you've done just the most relevant bits um for the job you're applying to and um i think my advice would be um because Um, as I have done like a musical degree um, before I did my my PhD or my master's which is not really relevant right nobody cares that I can play the clarinet really uh, in the academic um, world or for a research job Um, but um, at the same time of course I would don't want to leave it completely out because then people will think, What has she done for four years or something? So, I think it's still um, good to put something in if um, to kind of avoid a big gap in your CV. So, showing, okay, she has some, done something, um, even if it's not super relevant for the job, and then spend more words and more bullet points on the stuff that really will help you get the job.
0: That's that's, that's it. That and sense. but I should say, actually, you know, the um, while, and, and I think this is a good example of transferable skills right so while specifically playing the clarinet might not be relevant to an academic role however a lot of the skills like yeah. you know the kind of um, responsibility and the the determination and the confidence to be able to go on stage and play in front of people all that's transferable skills so mm.
1: again and that's know, what I really had to show in my earlier series exactly, when I yeah. try to apply for my master's management from coming from music to really show and highlight these skills that they're all related but I think now that I've progress more there's more relevant stuff of course, now. you yeah. say but you're absolutely right yeah that's a good example of um, how you can use even stuff that on the first look describing it just playing the clarinet does not look relevant no. but you can I don't want to say twist because that sounds no, manipulative but, it's, it's, but um just like really reflecting about what it really means to do that exactly and, yeah. and the
0: same thing holds true for all of your PhD work what seems something that might be just purely academic, actually has a whole load of transferable skills. Um, So as we keep saying (laughs) so many times, the CV needs to be specifically adapted for every role that you apply. Um, And so we mentioned this go-to document at the beginning. And so what you need to compare that list to is that job application. And so really look through the job application, right? The job spec, um, wherever they talk about the type of candidate and the responsibilities that they're looking for mm. um, and look at the words that they use. What what yeah, are the buzzwords? Yeah, wording.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The and keywords.
0: Copy the job up. description, literally go in with a highlighter and highlight those kinds of specific words that you're seeing and then look back at your list and say, okay, all right, where do I have an example of teamwork? Mm. Where do I have an example of communicating results yeah. to different audiences?
1: Because it's so sad. I think often people Think oh I do have I feel I've, I do have all the skills I put it on my CV why didn't I get an interview mm. but then when you look at it it's just the wording there yeah. that is really missing to. And- yeah get people to that unfortunately
0: stage. it really you know with recruitment nowadays and it's not true for everywhere but a lot of times they'll just do a very quick scan of the CV mm-hmm. and if and they can't companies easily companies see yeah if they in keywords, very big companies yeah. and and if they can't easily see where you're hitting the job spec it, it will just be it will just be desk rejected and it's, it's a real it's it's a terrible thing but if you mm. if you do this if you really specify to that job description it's going to be really it's going to really really help you um and, and doing that comparison and that's where that skills document will come in because you've mm. straight away got something you can easily compare to um and i think starting with things like bullet points right I think there's no need for whole sentences. You can use bullet points. um, In the CV, you mean? Yeah, for the CV. So to describe what you did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, sorry. Now, going back to the Mm. CV. So now that you've looked at that job description, compared it to your skills, and then you're going back into your CV, perhaps in the work experience section or in the skills section, and you're using their vocabulary and you're using their words um, and emphasize what you. And I think this is the key thing emphasize what you did in your job right and we talked about this you weren't just playing the clarinet you were mm-hmm. managing expectations you were managing students you were mm-hmm. responsible for this you uh, designed and managed a uh, interview study you were uh, yeah. you know an- yeah. analyzed and and i think the key thing with with all these things when you're talking about things that you've done in your experience is to quantify that as much as possible now this and say can say what
1: the result was i mean that can be through quantifying yeah but like by saying, okay, I recruited um, where I, yeah, tried, used several recruitment strategies and as a result had 30 participants or, or something like that, right? Exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. And me. and
0: you can, uh, so if you say, you know, I am good at, pub, you know, in public speaking, you can say that I've presented at international conferences to mm. an audience of, just give, just it, give, an, give an estimate, estimate yeah. you know. Um, yeah if you applied for a scholarship what was the value of that scholarship what mm. came out of it right uh, if it was or a grant um it, it can be very difficult to do this sometimes right to quantify it um but for example if you talk about your journal publications then you can talk about that you published in x many impact q1 factor. Yeah, impact exactly. factor blah 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 journals mm. right And really try and quantify it because that's where you're going to go from more than just saying what you did you're going to say what you did what your responsibility was and exactly what was the outcome. And it's that three-step process is, is going to really set you apart. Um, and of course, you know, when you go for industry jobs, highlighting every connection to industry possible. And, and again, mm. this can be very difficult, but really emphasising those transferable skills if you presented to, as we mentioned at the beginning, uh, people who might be from an industry background and perhaps you adapted your presentation to that kind of audience, that is an example of, being able to commun- and even for, communicate even yeah
1: academic um cvs as well right i think it's also a strength if you can show that you have um links to industry or yeah. work with them um, because that shows that you have quite practical or that you yeah can have a real impact in the real world basically if you can work with <laughs> in, the in the real world yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right
0: yeah. Um, and I think a final thing is really to ensure that the language is appropriate. So really trying to avoid using jargon. You don't know who's gonna be reading it. So, you know, a very common phrase in my work is HMI, right? Human mm. Machine Interface, which essentially means any screen that you interact with, like your phone <laughs> or a screen in a car. Um, but unless I know that the role that I'm applying to is, is using that word specifically, then it'll be okay. But if mm. they're not, then avoid using that um so
1: acronyms generally I acronyms think is good to avoid yeah. unless
0: you see it in the job description itself in which case make sure you get all the acronyms mm-hmm. that they're using um and then i guess in terms of finalizing the cv we mentioned this point around you know share it with someone else to to proofread and have a look over you could share it with us on how <laughs> phd mm-hmm. one-to-one um but i think it's it's true right i guess sometimes it's very difficult to sort of or it can be not forthcoming to a lot of people and I know, certainly for me to talk sort of boastfully or positively mm. about yourself it feels a bit boastful yeah um yeah. and so i guess others can can help us
1: yeah definitely, definitely.
0: review that so i think that's everything to do with cvs it's, it's a huge topic and i think the key takeaway that we really want everyone spend to spend
1: time on it <laughs> is, to,
0: is to spend time on it
1: go document to save time in the long run yes, I yes right? exactly
0: that that go-to yeah. list of skills i think is one of the most important things you can keep up to date in your cv mm-hmm. uh in your throughout your phd um and please 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 finalize and and sorry customize that cv for the specific job that you're applying to and get all their buzzwords in. And I think you'll find that you'll have a very successful um, future applying to jobs. So thank you so much for listening to How To PhD. As we ask every week, if you know of someone who you think could benefit from this episode, then please do share it with them. And if you enjoy listening to How to PhD and you'd like to support us, you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, recently, a listener actually told me about the fact that you can listen to our podcast on Audible, um, which I didn't actually know about, which is quite amazing. And apparently, you can leave a a review on there too, which I haven't checked out myself. (laughs) But yeah, shout out to that listener for for pointing that out. Really appreciate that. Um, Or you can support us by visiting our website at howtophd.show and leaving a small donation through Buy Me A Coffee. And thank you so much to all the listeners who have supported us over on there. It's really so generous and it's uh, really wonderful to to, uh, see that engagement from the community. Do get in touch. Contact at howtophd.show is our email address. If you're interested in signing up to the one-to-one sessions with a free 30-minute session, then you can contact us at one-to-one, which is O N E. T-O-O-N-E uh, spelled out at howtophd.show um, and email us there to sign up for a free 30 minutes. Twitter and Instagram at show. Uh, although I must admit recently our Instagram has been a little bit uh, slow to update just because it takes a lot more time than Twitter but, <laughs> uh, and of course thanks to jobs.ac.uk for continuing to support and share our show. Next week, Julia, will be talking about something that's quite... Um, I, I, it can be quite a scary thought, but it's it's an important thing to think about exactly. in your PhD. Exactly.
1: And it was a suggestion of one of our um, one of our listeners who sent um, a yeah, text through Twitter asking whether we could do a, se- a session or episode on how to choose your vivex seminar. And I think that's a really good topic. And um, yeah, we will tell you all about that next week.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's one that is. Yeah, there's a lot of nuances there, which is really interesting. So hopefully it should be a really interesting episode. And and, and don't worry, there's nothing to fear. Hopefully that knowledge <laughs> will, will give you some confidence when it comes to picking those examiners for your defence or fiber. So I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening to How to PhD. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you all next time.